show and i am robert steinbuck filling in for dave this morning dave is recuperating well he sends his best regards but he thought it best to take one more sick day off so you're all stuck with me sorry to say we've got a lot to talk about we've got two of our local congressmen on in the second half of the show Uh, but this first hour i've also have a lot to talk with you about there's a lot in the news i want to start with a little bit of housekeeping first. As Dave's audience well knows, I have long since been vaccinated against COVID. I still take certain precautions, but I don't hopefully take too many precautions and I'm getting back out in the world. And I'd like to say to you folks to consider if you have not yet already done so to get vaccinated. There's a lot of chatter going on about vaccinations. It is entirely and should be entirely your decision to make. We don't need Big Brother telling us what to do, but we also need to understand the facts. The vaccination is like vaccinations that we have all had growing up in the sense that it is designed to prevent you from catching the underlying disease and it uses uh, basic science to do that. Now, The current vaccines, most of them, are more developed in the technology that they use than the old-style vaccines. That's not a bad thing. And as with anything, there is always some very small risk of essentially an allergic reaction. Yep. And you yourself have to decide what's the better bargain the risk of having some sort of allergic reaction or the risk associated with catching COVID. I know of people who died of COVID. I know personally people who have gotten COVID and have suffered. One friend was nearly uh, incapacitated for three weeks. Several people I know still have not regained their sense of taste or sense of smell. So, This is the balance you must decide, and it's fair to decide either way. What you shouldn't consider, however, are some of the theories that are clearly false. There's no computer chips or or tracking agents in the vaccine. If you're worried about that, don't carry a cell phone. That's how they can track you, with a cell phone. Uh, As for the scientific technology used in the vaccine there's nothing unusual about it it's not uh, you're not going to be growing in your body the covid spike protein for the rest of your life i wish frankly you were because that would be a way to ensure immunity but it doesn't work that way the body eventually washes it out so you decide but decide based on the facts not based on some of these fringe ideas that are out there and if you decide not to get it okay if you decide to get it okay Uh, these are all rational discussions think about it this way i don't know if you've ever played the game craps dice in other words 
one of the bets that you can uh, make is what's called a hard eight. That's when you roll a four and a four. You have two dice, and each one has to land on a four. So the odds are, are, are highly against it. But if you get it, you win big. And so I equate that to having an allergic reaction uh, from the vaccine. The odds are highly against it, and there's significant benefit of getting the vaccine in that you are essentially guaranteed either to not catch COVID or if in the small percentage of people that do catch it, the symptoms are extremely mild. So that's a decision for you to make. I wear my seatbelt because I think that's worthwhile to do. It's also the law, but that's besides the point. I would wear it regardless. So you make your own decision for yourself. Uh, I take a flu shot every year. A lot of people don't. So if you take a flu shot, then obviously you're in the camp like me who thinks these immunizations are generally safe and worthwhile. If you're not, well, you need to make a similar calculus for the COVID vaccine. But please base it on the simple science. Now, let's start talking about broader topics that are affecting us today. You may have seen that Israel is yet again in a state of war. Now, what coincides with Israel being in a state of war? For four years under Donald Trump, Israel was not in a state of war. For four years under Donald Trump, Israel was making peace treaties with various surrounding Arab nations. For four years under Donald Trump, the United States moved its embassy from the city of Tel Aviv to the capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem. And all the lefties said, oh, you can't do that because there's going to be an eruption of violence. By the way, because that's how we make our decisions in America. We decide whether to do the right or wrong thing. Mind you, the sarcasm that's coming, folks. We decide to do the right or wrong thing based on whether someone else might commit a terroristic act. Seriously? Seriously? We're going to let some petty potentates, some criminals, some murderers say, oh, you can't do what you want to do. You can't do what every president prior to Donald Trump has promised to do, but lied because once they got in office, they, they said, oh, sorry, can't do it. What, you didn't know that beforehand? Or you're a liar. And they were liars. Republicans and Democrats alike, by the way. So Trump moves in the embassy, by the way, oh, and 20, 30, 100 million dollars. It costs nothing, virtually nothing to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. By the way, why is Jerusalem the capital city of Israel? Because it was the capital city of Israel when Israel was a biblical state. That's why. Not a terribly complicated equation. But when Donald Trump was in power, when he was president, he showed the world, particularly the Middle East, that he wouldn't tolerate nonsense. He broke off from that absurd deal with Iran. Iran funds the terrorists in Israel. Biden now is negotiating with Iran to allow them to start up their nuclear program again. And Iran is funding the terrorists in Israel 
that have now started another war. What's the change, folks? What's the change? Well, of course, we're in the Biden administration. That's the change. And it's transparent. Same way when all these people are now surging to the border, our southern border. Oh, no, there's no surge. Wait, what? Oh, no, there's no quadrupling in number of people trying to get across the border. What? Nonsense. It's all sheer nonsense. Why? Because the Biden administration has invited people in. I heard Mayorkas, the head of DHS, I think, this morning in a clip from, I believe, yesterday, he said, oh, well, well, we're not letting families in. We're not letting adults in. Oh, but we are letting children in. Wait, what? So you have a surge of people to the border because you've now said, you're welcome. Come on in. That's what he said. We're letting him in. By the way, I would come. Why? Because the United States is the greatest country in the world. And now I have an invitation to come. Of course I would come. So, they, well, no, we can't figure out why there's a surge. I can figure out why there's a surge. Because you're inviting people in. Put aside that the rest of the world has to apply to come to the United States under either, either a visa or for some other status. But not if you run to the border and you're a minor. Come on in. Come on in. Is that a logical policy? Is that a policy at all? These people in the administration are making it up as they go along. They have no plan. They have no idea what they're doing. And now, what's going on in the Middle East? Have you heard word one from the administration? Crickets, folks. Crickets. Because they're not engaged. Now, of course, that parallels the president himself, who's not engaged. You can see him when he stares distantly at the camera when he's talking in his so-called press conferences. He's not engaged. And we now have war in the Middle East because the United States has taken off its involvement, has taken away, I should say, its involvement in the Middle East. And guess what fills the vacuum? Criminals, terrorists, murderers. That's right. That's what we have. And remember, Israel is the only democracy in the entire Middle East. The entire Middle East. The only democracy? Israel. The only functioning democracy. And our strong ally. And so now, out there, sitting in a sea of undemocratic nations, our one ally under siege yet again. Why? Because the Biden administration doesn't care. They don't care. I was reading a newspaper article uh, on this topic yesterday from our dear uh, friend, the New York Times. And it showed a picture and it said, uh, here's a Palestinian man fighting a Jewish man. Wait, what? Wait, what? what? Why is the, the second man's religion not nationality? Why? Because New York Times... New York Times is anti-Semitic, that's why. It should read, here's a Palestinian man fighting an Israeli man. The country is Israel, by the way. There is no country of Palestine, but the country, there is a country of Israel. But the New York Times says a Palestinian man in a country that's not recognized 
fighting a Jew, a religion. They didn't say whether the Palestinian was a Muslim or a Christian or an atheist. By the way, how do you know that guy's Jewish? Maybe he's an atheist. There are a few of those in Israel, too. No, no, no. He's a Jew, according to New York Times. He's a Jew, according to the Holocaust-denying New York Times. That's from way back when, not now, to be clear. Yeah, this is, this is what we call mainstream media. This is what we are inundated with every day. All right, Robert, let's take a break. Let's continue this conversation into the next segment. UA Literoc law professor Robert Steinbach is filling in for Dave again today. Dave needs a little bit more time to recover from his minor surgery, but Dave should be back tomorrow morning. So we will take a break. We got your traffic. We got your news on The Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck, filling for Dave this morning. As you know, my views are mine and mine alone and not necessarily of my employer. Uh, Now, with that disclaimer aside, we have been talking about this new eruption of war in Israel, directly a consequence of the lack of leadership from our president, Uh, in fact, Quite the contrary, uh, in terms of leadership, he is sidling up to the Iranians and his willingness, uh, as the Democrats have done now for years, to throw the only democratic nation in the Middle East under the bus, our ally, Israel. Um, And it's really abhorrent. Now, I think perhaps just a moment of history before we go to the break at the bottom of the morning, the bottom of the hour, is important. Of course, Jews have been in Israel since God gave that land to them. Now, you don't believe that God gave it to them? All right, maybe a banana gave it to them. Whatever it was, 1,500 years before Christ, Jews were in the land of Israel. Now, that's a long time. And Jews have been in the land of Israel ever since. Oh, yes. They've, all f- sorts of foreign invaders have come in and tried to kick the Jews out. Absolutely. Uh, the Persians, which are now the Iranians, uh, the, the, the equivalent of the Greeks, they came in, tried to kick the Jews out. Were there Jews in Israel during that period? Absolutely. The Romans came in. Did they persecute the Jews? Absolutely. Were there Jews in Israel? All the time. Uh, After that, essentially, the Arabs came in. Remember, the word Arab comes from Arabia, now Saudi Arabia. Saudi refers to the Saud family. But that land is called Arabia. And people from that land are Arabs, and they invaded, conquered the lands around them. Which, is, which was common in most of human history. That's not accusing them of anything more or less than any other large group of people did during most of human history. And they came into Israel as well, again, as foreign invaders. And then after the Arabs, uh, uh, the Crusaders from Europe, Christians, came in and and invaded as well. Yes. And after that, Ottomans, what we now call Turks, came in and held that land for a long time, by the way, until 
at World War I? The British beat them back. And then the land was controlled by the British. Now, do we say that Israel is British? No. Do we say that it's Turkish? No. Do we say uh, that it is Roman? No. Do we say that it, it belongs to Crusaders? No. But some people claim that the one other invading group, the Arabs, lay claim to that land. Well, I stick with the Bible. And I stick with the people who were there before and have been there ever since. Israel is the land of the Jews. That's history. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't other peoples living there, including Arabs. Of course there are. And they should be uh, treated with full dignity and respect like any group, like here in America, like anywhere. But the notion that Israel is anything but a Jewish state is ahistorical. Now, uh, also, uh, contrary to those of us that believe in God, contrary to those teachings as well. Jews have been there the whole time. In 1948, when when the British controlled the country, after World War II, the U.N. decided to, the British gave the land essentially to the U.N., the U.N. divided it, said half go to um, the country of Israel to be a Jewish state, and half goes to the Arabs who are living there, who call themselves Palestinians. Okay. Half and half. Sounds like a fine deal to me. In fact, the Jews accepted the deal. You know who didn't accept it? All the Arab nations and the Arabs living in Israel. And they attacked. And they've been fighting Israel ever since. That's why there's no separate state of Palestine. Because the Arabs rejected the notion of a Jewish state that started 1,500 years before Christ. That's why there's no state of Palestine. And they continue to reject that notion. And so when Israel fights every day to survive, and people say, why is there no Palestinian state? Because the Palestinians, the Arabs, surrounding nations, and those living in Israel continue to reject the notion of an independent Jewish state as created by God 1,500 years before Christ. Because Christ was a Jew and lived in the state of Israel. Of course. That's history, folks. That's history. And yet, people are oblivious to this notion. Because the new left has defined history as what they want it to be. And that's why you see the New York Times say, a Palestinian, that is, that is a description of a state that now doesn't exist, fighting a Jew. Because they deny even the existence implicitly of the state of Israel, that is a legally recognized state today, and one created 1,500 years before Christ by God. But they deny it. Of course, they deny often the existence of God. Do a poll of those working at the New York Times. See how many of them are atheists. I bet you it's above the national average. I bet you that's the case. Why? Because you're a bunch of Northeasterners who think they know better. They know better than the creator himself. That's the kind of logic that we are being 
inundated with. All right, Robert, let's continue this conversation into the next segment. We got to get to our news and our weather and our traffic. We'll be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this morning as he recuperates. He's doing well, he told me. Nothing to worry about there, but we nonetheless continue to send him all of our best wishes. We have been talking before the break about Israel, about America's ally in the Middle East, the only democracy there, of course. And we're talking about the history of the Jews being in Israel since 1,500 years before Christ. Now, fast forward, and let's discuss the conflict that is happening today. Today. So as I described to you, in 1948, the United Nations gave land to Jews and created the modern state of Israel. And they gave land to Arabs and created the modern state of Palestine. But those in Palestine... And all of the surrounding Arab nations rejected the notion of a Jewish state and therefore attacked Israel. Israel fought back. And guess what? That land that was originally designated as Palestine eventually was taken over by Israel. Not in 48. 48, the land was, there was an armistice and basically it, was, it remained an even split, although the, the borders changed. 67, yet another war. By the way, 73, 81, you keep going. Keep going. Every time uh, we see attempts to destroy the state of Israel. So in um, 67, Jerusalem was, I told you in 48, Jerusalem was a city to be controlled both by Palestine and by Israel. Well, when the um, Arab nations attacked Israel, they took all of Jerusalem. And Jews could no longer go to the holy city of Jerusalem. Jews could no longer go to the remnants of the holy Jewish temple. At all. At all. And so in 67, again, when Israel was defending itself, that's what is known as the Six-Day War, Israel recovered Jerusalem. All of Jerusalem as it turns out, and maintain control over it. One of the soldiers to reclaim the holy city of Jerusalem for Israel, for Jews, for Christians, for Muslims, for everyone, because everyone now can go to that city, my uncle. And just the other day was the celebration of Jerusalem Day, when Jerusalem was liberated so that Jews and Christians and Muslims and everyone else can go to that city as they see fit. And I wrote my uncle to thank him for his efforts of freeing the holy city of Jerusalem. I'd like to, to um, uh, read you what he wrote me back. He lives in Israel to this day. He's uh, roughly 75. I, I'd have to do the math. And I had written him, and I, and, I, and I said, Happy Jerusalem Day. That's what started this whole conflict, the celebration of the freeing of the city of Jerusalem. And he wrote back, and he said, Thank you, but I can hardly remember. I was 22 years old. Think about that. 1967, 53 years ago. 
I can hardly remember. Jerusalem was not our group target. Our original plan was to land uh, from the sea in the north, uh, near the city, uh, uh, the north, excuse me, the northwest coast of the Sinai, near the city of Al-Arish. But at that time, he says, King Hussein of Jordan was, and that's the father of the current King Hussein, was convinced by the, I don't know if he called himself President uh, Nasser of Egypt, that attacking Israel uh, during its most vulnerable time would be a success for Jordan. And of course, that wasn't true. Jerusalem at that time was controlled by Jordan, uh, and Israel uh, couldn't get in. Uh, And so he, along with his comrades, were shipped to Jerusalem without any specific knowledge of the battlefield or any plan. And like many unpredicted things in life, at the end, the Israeli army conquered the whole West Bank, including Jerusalem. The old city is in that part of Jerusalem. There was part of Jerusalem, incidentally, just to be clear, that remained in Israel after 48, the modern part of Jerusalem. But the holy part of the city, what's known as the old city, that includes uh, the the former temple, the former Jewish temple, that was all in Jordanian hands. And he was one of those soldiers who reclaimed that city. That city will remain the capital of Israel as long as Israel remains a country. That won't change. The United States moved its embassy to Jerusalem in final recognition of that long-established fact. Long-established? 1,500 years before Christ. That is when it was established. And so as Jews celebrated their ability to go back into Jerusalem in the Israeli holiday of Jerusalem Day, guess what? Those who oppose the existence of a Jewish state, those who oppose having Jerusalem as a capital of the holy state, decided now, under the Biden administration, They would have their opportunity. Funded by Iran, literally, given rockets by Iran, literally, to shoot into Israel. Hundreds, if not thousands of rockets have been shot over the last week or so into Israel from what's known as Gaza, an area that was originally part of that Palestinian state. That now, by the way, Israel had, for years now, decades, left. They said, hey, you guys maintain local control. We're out. We out. And the result of that, from all those people that say, well, you see, what you need to do is you need to retreat. And the result of the retreat is rockets regularly get shot over from Gaza into Israel. Now, does that sound like a long-term solution? Does that sound like peace? Quite the contrary. Quite the contrary. So this is what we're dealing with. If you sidle up to dictators like the Iranian mullahs, you get more terrorism, not less. I'll note, by the way, that the Iranian mullahs are still on Facebook, are still on Twitter, and are still calling for the destruction of Israel. No, that doesn't get them banned from social media. Donald Trump is banned from social media. 
due to the leftist policies of these organizations. But the, the mullah of Iran, no, no. You know, it's an interesting point, perhaps, to transition into a discussion of Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, as you know, supported impeaching the president. The president was not, ha- had not committed impeachable offenses. But Liz Cheney supported it. And so the leadership, excuse me, the rank and file House members, and we're going to talk to two House members later today, and we'll ask them about what's going on with Liz Cheney. The rank and file members of the House said, well, we should have someone who represents us. And if the current representative took such a dramatic step as to support the impeachment of a president who didn't do anything that was impeachable, well, maybe, just maybe, there's somebody out there amongst the other 222 or so, I don't remember the exact number, Republicans in Congress that we can choose. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? If you read the New York Times, it's because, why are they ousting Liz Cheney? New York Times says, oh, Liz Cheney's being ousted because she called Trump's lies lies. Really? That's why? You decided why? I saw a very good congressman on TV on the Sunday morning news shows on Fox. I forget forget his name. I want to say Murphy, but I can't remember for sure. He says, she's a distraction. She's still talking about what went on in the last election instead of talking about what's going going to go on in the next election, the midterms. We are in the precipice, folks, the precipice of reclaiming the House of Representatives. And Liz Cheney's talking about Donald Trump? Why are you not talking about congressional races? And the answer is because she's stuck in this mindset. Remember, of course, that Donald Trump rejected a lot of the policies of George Bush and Dick Cheney. And Liz Cheney remembers. And she's entitled to remember. But in her entitlement to remember, she doesn't reflect the rank and file membership in the House for the Republicans. And so she's being ousted. It's that simple. That's how leadership works. You need to represent your people. And when you stop representing your people, guess what? You don't get reelected. They choose someone else. These aren't complicated topics. But if you read the leftist media, they seem most confused. By the way, the defense of Liz Cheney by the New York Times is all but entirely comical. They hated Liz Cheney. They hated what she did when she supported conservative policies. But now she's the savior. Now she's the sole person to salvage democracy. Maybe, just maybe, New York Times, you keep your nose out of internal Republican politics. And what, what you might say, well, you, Robbie, you're saying that New York Times can't report it? Oh, of course they can report it. I encourage them to report on it. But if you read the New York Times, virtually all their so-called articles aren't articles. They're opinion pieces. This is what the Republicans should do. This is what the Republicans need. This is what's good for the Republicans. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure I'm particularly interested in a group of folks that could not be more antithetical 
to Republican ideals than the folks at the New York Times opining on what's good for Republicans. Maybe I should take some advice from Putin on what's good for Republicans. I'm not interested in his advice. I'm not interested in the New York Times advice when it comes to what's good for Republicans. You want advice from New York Times? Read their cooking page. It's not bad. They got pretty good recipes. But political advice from the New York Times? Hmm. I think I'll pass. All right. Yeah, Robert, let's uh, let's go to a break now. We got to get to our traffic and a few other uh, commercials because we have to pay the bills. You are listening to the Dave Ellswick show. Robert Steinbach is a UA Literac law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of UA Literac. He is filling in for Dave today as Dave is still recovering from some minor surgery that he had over the weekend, but he should be back tomorrow. So let's go to our break now. This is the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I'm Robert Stein, but filling in for Dave this morning. Dave will be back tomorrow, of course. He's recuperating well. We send him our best wishes. Stay tuned, by the way, folks. In the next hour, we have both Congressman French Hill and Congressman Bruce Westerman, back-to-back, not together. This way we'll be able to talk with each of them one-on-one, and you can find out what's going on uh, in the nation and across the world, in fact. It's really amazing that on the Dave Ellswick Show, you get news on local politics. We, Of course, as you know, we have local elected officials uh, on the show all the time. We, I mean Dave, of course, but I, I'm on with him often enough that I use the colloquial, colloquial we, I probably should not. And of course, Dave regularly has the congressman on as well, and I believe he has uh, senators on, U.S. senators on as well. So you really get the panoply of coverage on the Dave Ellswick show. We only have a a few minutes before the top of the hour, and then we'll go on to Congressman French Hill. I want to read to you a story that shows you what's going wrong with legal, excuse me, with education today. What is a problem across this country with education and why it's such a tragedy that we couldn't pass the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus part two bill this last session introduced by Dan Sullivan and held up in the Senate Education Committee by uh, Senators Sturch, Senators, Senator English and Senator Eads. That's why that bill didn't pass, by the way. So let me read to you this story and you're going to see the um, tragedy of what we are doing to our students across this country because we're putting politics above education we're putting quote equity right this is the new word of the day equity above competence from yahoo news democratic virginia senator speaks out against equity push to eliminate advanced math classes we're doing away with advanced math classes Democratic Virginia State Senator Jay Chapman Peterson is one of many parents voicing concerns about a new racial equity push that would eliminate certain advanced placement classes in the state's mathematics curriculum. The Virginia Mathematics Pathway Initiative would replace the traditional mathematics progression of a variety of classes with 
courses that teach so-called essential topics. Now, folks, this is me talking, which sounds like it's more rigorous. Algebra, geometry, algebra two, or essential topics. Well, of course, the former. But we're doing away with rigor. Can't have it. Under the plan, back to the article, all students would take the same courses through the 10th grade, but would then be allowed to enroll in classes that correspond with their post-graduation career plans. So you can't distinguish yourself in 9th grade, 8th grade, 7th grade in terms of mathematics classes. Everybody's the same, folks. This is what we're always told by the left. Everybody's identical. Everybody's the same. And of course, conservatives tell you everybody has equal opportunity, but everybody's not the same. Guess what? I was better in math than a bunch of folks in my school when I went to school, and so I took advanced mathematics classes. And the other folks who weren't so good in math didn't take the advanced classes. Maybe they were better in other things. Maybe, just maybe, they weren't, and they didn't take any advanced classes. So be it. But no, no, no. That's not fair, says the left. Well, I don't know what that means. I can do the math better. Are you denying that fact? It used to be that math was black and white. You either got the right answer or you didn't. Certainly in high school math, we're not talking high-level graduate school math. We're talking high school math. And if I got the right answer, and other folks routinely didn't get the right answer. Shouldn't I be in a higher-placed class, an advanced class, in other words? Shouldn't other students be who are comp comparably situated? Not according to the left, folks. And we want to compete with countries like China. With this, China's probably funding this. I say that as a joke. But China loves this. They eat this up. They love every day that we riddle with exceptions and diminish the quality of our education for political purposes. Because the output, the outcome, the result is less capable graduates. And China wants to compete against less capable graduates with what will be their more capable graduates. Oh, indoctrinated in communist ideals, but knowing math better than many of our students will if these types of plans take hold. Of that, there can be no doubt. Uh, a major goal, says the article, of the VMPI is to combat disparities in educational outcomes between racial and ethnic minorities. However, many Northern Virginia parents are mobilizing to reject the program, claiming that the new pathway will inhibit higher-achieving students and discourage academic exploration and performance among all kids, including the racial minorities the program is designed to help. Of course, I've written about a similar issue when I talk about admissions programs across this nation in law school. And when we heavily emphasize race as a factor in admissions, and we see, therefore, as a consequence, that racial minorities fail the bar far more significantly than non-racial minorities. Yes, because you're letting in people who are less prepared. That's why. That's why. It's got nothing to do with the race. It's got to do with the incoming qualifications of the individuals that you're admitting, because instead of looking at those incoming qualifications, you're looking solely or largely, significantly, at race. Well, race is not a qualification. 
race doesn't reflect ability. Now, does it? One way or the other, negatively or positively. All right, Robert, we need to uh, get to our break. The top of the hour news is coming up, plus weather and traffic. UA UA Little Rock Law Professor Robert Steinbach is filling in for Dave this morning on Wednesday's Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be right back with our U.S. Congressman, French Hill, all the way up in Washington. You are listening to The Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Show. I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave this morning, and we have on the line with us a very special guest, Congressman French Hill. Congressman, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. How are you this morning? Robert, good morning from the nation's capital. Great to be with you. And I understand you have a new article in Reason Magazine, which I look forward to reading this weekend. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Indeed, that's on a part of Reason magazine called the Volok Conspiracy, named after a law professor out there at UCLA. Uh, And uh, it's hopefully an interesting article that you will find about issues that I've been talking about uh, this morning, in fact, about the intersection of race and education. But we are going to talk to you today about national and international politics, because indeed, that's what we pay you to do. You know, there are some elected officials who don't understand that they work for the people. You're not one of them. You understand that quite well. And one and it's but one example is you coming regularly on the Dave Ellswick show to report to your constituents what's going on in the country and in the world. I've got three topics I want to touch on if we can manage to do it. We'll see. Uh, And the topics are, of course, the ongoing border crisis directly created by the Biden administration. Two, the ongoing now new crisis in Israel created by the Biden administration. And three, what's going on with Liz Cheney? I understand there was a vote today. If you can give us an update on all of that. Let's start with the border crisis. What the heck, if you will pardon my descent into the vernacular, is going on at the border? Well, the uh, Biden administration said on the morning news shows this morning, the border's closed. Well, you would (laughs) never know that by talking to the Customs and Border Agents. I was down there last month, and February and March both were historic uh, crisis levels of over 170,000 people crossing the border illegally. Uh, including a number, sadly, I must say, of unaccompanied minors that were coming into the United States, truly unaccompanied kids, teenage boys. I sat there and talked to uh, two or three young kids, uh, middle schoolers from uh, Honduras. Get, they paid the traffickers to come across the border, and they just walk into the United States. And, you know, this is not the way to have an immigration system that protects the American people. None of these people have been tested for covid 
Uh, and when you have that kind of humanitarian pressure on the border by the cartels, which it's estimated made $400 million in February alone transporting uh, illegal uh, folks across our border. Think about that, $400 million Amazing. in cash in a month. I uh, think that fuels uh, drugs coming in our country, uh, kidnapping, guns, money laundering. It's unbelievable to me. It's really remarkable, uh, Congressman. I wonder while you were down there on your numerous trips to the border, did you see the vice president? Did you bump into her? Because, as my understanding, she's been put in charge of all this. So you must have run into her at the actual border. I think we're approaching 50 days since Joe Biden asked her to be in charge of uh, border security and how to solve this problem. And she's not been to the border one time, didn't see her. Uh, in fact, the day I was in McAllen, Texas, the new Homeland Security Secretary had flown into a hangar, met with the chief of the uh, McAllen section, and flown out. He didn't even visit the troops in the field, didn't visit the border, didn't visit the Donna processing facility. Uh, so uh, the Biden administration has created this problem by changing, when they walked in the door on January 20th, changing the Trump policies that had been in put in place back in 2019 that forestalled the humanitarian aspect of this and the national security aspect to it. We've built the border wall, which everybody talks about, but we also increased manpower. We gave the manpower authority to do their job, which is to deport felons who are in the country illegally. We work with Mexico for people seeking asylum from third countries to let them stay in Mexico until their asylum claim could be processed legally here in the United States, or encourage them to, to file the asylum claim at our consulate in their own country if it was safe to do that. Uh, we also deported uh, folks uh, because of the public health crisis. This is, you'll hear, called Title 82, I think it is which allows us to simply uh, turn back any adult over 18-year-old who crosses the border illegally purely for the public health crisis. Let's be clear, Congressman. The, the Biden administration has invited unaccompanied minors to come illegally to this country. If you say to those people and their families and their countries if you are an unaccompanied minor, you get in for free. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card, as an analogy from the Monopoly game. There is no penalty. You will get into the greatest country in the world if you are an unaccompanied minor. And yet the Biden administration says they haven't done anything to encourage this massive surge. How do we deal with such transparent lies from the administration? Yeah, that's just not true. I mean, they did. They said they were going to, that America was open and that the Trump policy was dead, basically on January 20th, and that encouraged this. And what you're doing is you're essentially, and this is sad, but you're essentially a co-conspirator in human trafficking, because when you see that, that just is an open card for anyone essentially under 18 or who says they're under 18. And many of these people don't have any identification with them, so people don't, they have to take their word for it as to what their name is, how old they are, uh, their basic health condition, and their date of birth, uh, and what country they're from. And because of the crush of people in February and March, we didn't even run them through the computer system. So we didn't run them through the terror watch list. We didn't run them through that. They didn't get the health 
screening uh, that everyone gets, uh, not all of them. They were just processed through to the human services holding facility where they do, in fact, get more uh, assistance. Or if they were under 18, they were released to whatever phone number they gave the Custer and Border Patrol agent. And so America has seen since February, if you fly on an airplane, particularly out of Dallas, Fort Worth, or Houston, you'll see small uh, groups of kids or maybe a sweet mom and her baby, and they're holding a plastic uh, bag with a brown manila envelope, and it says, I do not speak English. (laughs) And they've been given a ticket to wherever the phone number was that they gave the Border Patrol, Philadelphia or wherever. I mean, this is what we're doing and then they're expected to show up for an asylum hearing some weeks or months later and we don't have a good track record on people actually doing that of course not and we see kamala harris uh, kissing her husband with a face mask on but we're letting in unaccompanied minors and we're not testing all of them for covid and it's no, this disparity on on the science right the democrats claim we're the party of science Right. The party of science where you can go to a Black Lives Matter protest and not wear masks because, you know, COVID doesn't spread in certain political events. But you and you can come across the border without masks or or, and or without being tested because, you know, COVID doesn't spread when people are fleeing a third world country. But if you are a conservative and you don't wear a mask outdoors, you're committing the original sin. What's the science behind yeah. that, Congressman? Yeah, it's it's madness, and we get this every day. We have to deal with it every single day, the hypocrisy inside the Democratic Party on science and, and math and all the other hard hard uh, educational uh, classes that are, people are supposed to master before they go into the workplace. But look, people always say, hey, you're complaining. What would you do different? Okay, well, something that we proposed that uh, we got very close to passing in 2017 which was, let's change the definition of credible fear, how you seek amnesty. You cannot come into the U.S., and this is something that a lot of your listeners will not know. There, we do not have a status of economic refugee. There is, that is not in the code section. And so people who are, have a tough time in their country come here and seek asylum in the U.S., and they claim political persecution. And they have to establish that they have a credible fear of personally being killed or a family member being killed, effectively, if they're in their host home country. And that's a very high standard. And so 90 percent of these people, when they're before a federal judge, their cases are dismissed. They don't have a case to seek amnesty in the United States, and they are returned to their home country. But many of them, as I say, don't show up for that hearing. So what we need to do is change the law on that border process on someone seeking asylum. What is a better way to do that that's more fair to them and more fair to the taxpayers and to the U.S. that we encourage legal immigration through a better process and not a fiction uh, that just encourages tens of thousands of people to come here because they think, as you say, they get just a free ticket into the country and no accountability once they're here. 
All right, y'all. I think that would probably be a good time to take a break because we need to get to our traffic and news and we also need to pay a few bills. You are listening to the Wednesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. UA Literock law professor Robert Steinbach is filling in for Dave as Dave is still doing some recovery, but he should be back tomorrow for Thursday's edition. And right now we are listening to Rob talk with our U.S. Congressman, French Hill. We'll be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show. You are listening to 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbach filling in for Dave this Wednesday morning. On the line with us for the next eight or so minutes is Congressman French Hill. We're going to transition our conversation. We were talking about the border crisis, and it is indeed a crisis. All claims to the contrary from the administration, uh, who doesn't even go down to the border, uh, um, notwithstanding. Uh, Congressman, let's talk about what's going on in Israel. It's of no surprise to me uh, that there is conflict in Israel now that we have an administration who isn't paying attention to what's going on in Israel and indeed is sidling up to the Iranians. So what is your take on this new ongoing conflict? Well, you're right. Uh, the Biden administration's been uh, disappointing in our, our most important ally in the Middle East, uh, Israel. Donald Trump was a good partner to Israel, and it let the stage for uh, the Abraham Accords, where Donald Trump has created numerous new bilateral peace treaties between the Gulf Arab states, Muslim countries, Islamic countries, with the people of Israel. And, of course, he moved ceremonially moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, something that Bill Clinton promised to do back in the 1990s, and no president ever did. So my hat's off to President Trump's partnership with Israel. You're seeing chaos in uh, Tel Aviv now as Hamas has been firing rockets into the city from Gaza. And I think, again, listeners need to understand, there is no government in the Palestinian Authority. There are two parties, Fatah, which Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the PLA, PLO, uh, is uh, in, supposedly in charge of. He's in Ramallah. He's in the West Bank. And then you have the Gaza Strip, which is run by Hamas, the competing party that's backed by uh, the Iranians and other terror-supporting groups. And there is no gov- combined government. So there's nobody for, really, Israel or the United States to engage with that represents all the Palestinian people. They are in a civil war among themselves. And this is what happens. And so Israel is defending itself. I'm glad our defense partnership with Israel and Iron Dome is working and protecting those citizens. Indeed. And this we feel it's palpable, the lack of involvement by the Biden administration and the lack of concern for the only democratic nation in the Middle East and our longtime uh, ally, Israel. When was it? Congressman, that the Democrats went from being the friends to Israel, and they were once that, to essentially uh, being antagonistic to Israel. Really, you see this strain in the Democratic Party, and when I say strain, overwhelming strain in the Democratic Party that seems to reject the notion of Israel as a Jewish state and a friend of the United States. When did that develop and why did that develop? Well, I've watched it develop over the six years I've served in Congress. Elliot Engel was the former chairman of the House Foreign Relations Committee, a prominent Jewish member of Congress of longstanding from New York. 
He was an ardent foe of the Obama administration coddling Iran and not paying attention to Israel. He spoke up up on the House floor. He made it a very bipartisan view that we should have good relations with Israel as a keystone to our strategy in the Middle East to protect American interests and the American homeland. And Elliot Engel got beat. Who did he get beat by? He got beat by AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also from New York. She and her progressive left are uh, pro-Arab, anti-Israel. They consider the state of Israel essentially an apartheid state. They consider them virtually criminals. Uh, They uh, don't vote to support our relationship with Egypt on a consistent basis. I mean, uh, Israel on a consistent basis. And uh, that's what's caused this split in the Democratic Party here in the House. And it's it makes it very challenging now to support uh, Israel on some things that that American support is still there. But I'm saying you, you're saying, is there a split in the Democratic Party? And the answer Indeed. is yes. That's just one example. Indeed. Well, it, it actually makes for an interesting dovetail, because one important thing that we Republicans need to do, of course, there's nothing new about this notion, mind you, is we need to retake the House of Representatives. We need a majority Republican in the House of Representatives to offset this kind of anti-Israel attitude in the Democratic Party. It used to be that it wasn't one of the reasons that we wanted a Republican majority in the Congress. And we always want a Republican majority in both houses if we can get it. But one of the reasons generally wasn't support for Israel because both the Democrats and the Republicans supported the only democracy in the Middle East. So we weren't really fighting over that. We had plenty of other things to fight about. But now that's yet another reason uh, for Congress for us to push for Congress to go Republican. And that, I think, in the last but few minutes we have left, dovetails well into a brief conversation about Liz Cheney. And can you tell us what's going on with that? Well, I don't think Liz uh, Cheney, uh, who is a good conservative, she's a solid conservative. She backed President Trump's agenda. Let's be very clear about that. She's for lower taxes, smaller government, strong national defense, the rule of law, the Bill of Rights. This is a strong conservative woman. But I don't think she wants to be in leadership anymore because of the way that she's acting, uh, in my view. That's what I'm hearing from my colleagues pretty consistently so the the conference is now discussing, uh, will Liz stay as our conference chair or will someone else uh, step into her shoes? But I want to be clear with listeners. Liz Cheney is a conservative. The question is, is she the right person to be the spokesperson for the Republicans in the House as we go forward to take back the House in 2022? Does she have the trust and faith of her colleagues? Is she carrying that mission against the Biden administration's overreach? looking for ways to work together in a bipartisan basis? And is she looking forward uh, for Republican control in the House? That's what we're talking about today. And that discussion starts in just a few minutes. And that's such a wonderful point, right? Because if you read the leftist media, uh, it's all, well, the conservatives are getting rid of Liz Cheney because they say she's not conservative. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And when I hear her called a rhino, that's ridiculous. She's not a rhino. It's one of the most conservative, uh, constitutionally minded women I know, and she's an outstanding member of Congress. But she has to have the confidence of the House Republicans to be the spokesperson 
for the Republican Party in the House as we go into this campaign year. It's so important that we pick up more than five seats and take the House back so we can stop the Biden agenda. And look for bipartisan ways to work together. But, I mean, the bottom line is Joe Biden is governing like if Bernie Sanders won. And that's a pretty unifying theme for Republicans across the country. Indeed, we are at one of the closest points we've ever been at retaking one of the chambers. And the country is so divided and the conservative movement is so strong that we have an opportunity perhaps never seen before. And we need every member of the Republican leadership in the House focused on that issue alone, retaking the House. All right, y'all, we have to take a break. Uh, Rush Limbaugh has some things to say. So thank you so much, Congressman, for talking with us. We'll be right back on The Dave Ellswick Show. This is 101.1 FM, the Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am filling in for Dave Ellswick, and of course, I'm Robert Steinbuck. And we just finished a very nice conversation with Congressman French Hill. Congressman uh, French Hill, thanks for being on the show. I always get cut off the end because I talk too much. And we have with us now another great congressman from the great state of Arkansas calling us from Washington as well. And that, of course, is Bruce Westerman. Congressman Westerman, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? Good morning, Robert. I'm doing well. Good, good to be with you. I know you're you're filling in for our friend Dave today, so I, I look forward to our discussion. Indeed, thank you so much. Well, let's dive right into it. We see a, a whole bunch of conflict going on in the Middle East, indeed in <clears throat> Israel, and. I posit in large, if not entirely, in large measure, if not entirely, because the Biden administration has not paid attention and indeed has sidled up to the terrorism supporting state of Iran. So what are your thoughts on what's going on in Israel today? Yeah, it's tragic what's happening over there. And uh, I would say Iran is is going to be the ones to blame for this, even though the rockets are coming out of the the Gaza Strip there in Israel. Uh, we've known for a long time that you know Iran's the number one funder of, of terrorism in the world, and I think um, you know this administration signaling to Iran that it's back to business as usual, like it was before the Trump administration, has probably put uh, Israel in jeopardy. And uh, you know I've, I've been there several times, and it's. If you've not been there, it's hard to imagine just how close and compact everything is. And you know, when when you hear the term Gaza Strip, it's literally just a little uh, strip of land there in the in the middle of the country that was, um, you know, was originally set aside as part of a peace deal, but it's been anything but but peace. It's where Hamas, a terrorist organization, has operated out of. Uh, so you've got this little common island within the small country of Israel where uh, these terrorists um, gather up and they, they just shoot rockets right out into the, the country. And, uh, you know, you've, you've probably seen where the uh, the uh, Iron Dome has been getting a workout. And I don't know how many people realize that those Patriot missiles are, uh, are built down in Camden, Arkansas, in my district. And it's uh, I know that the, the people who work down there are probably um, proud today to know that those Patriot missiles are, are saving a lot of people's lives and stopping a lot of, of destruction down there. But when I travel to Israel uh, and meet with their, their military and their scientists and even the prime minister, they all know where, 
where Camden, Arkansas is, <clears throat> because it's so critical in building those Patriot missile batteries. God bless him. I did not know that the Patriot missiles came from Cam- Camden, Arkansas. What a small world indeed it is. And you're absolutely right. If you watch on television and you see those, that missile defense system go up and shoot down many, but not all, of those rockets that are persistently and consistently shot in from Gaza to um, uh, to Israel. And it's like someone shooting rockets from North Little Rock into Maumelle. There's no space between yeah. the two. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I've been out to those Patriot missile batteries, and you you have to stand way back because it's all done automatically. There's not somebody, you know, deciding we're going to launch a Patriot missile to take this missile out. You know, they they see the incoming missile in a computer just in a fraction of a second makes a calculation on whether to intercept the, the incoming rocket or not. Uh, and they, you know, they determine... You know, they can tell where the incoming rocket's going to land, uh, and so they don't shoot all of them down. And so it's the ones that are going to hit a populated area is where they usually make the the decision. But it all happens instantaneously, uh, and they tell you when you're there visiting, you know, you got to stay back from the the rocket battery because it could go off at any moment. It's really amazing, and you point out aptly that uh, the reason – the system makes that selection is because you can't shoot down all the missiles because there's so many missiles being shot in to Israel from the Gaza Strip. What other country would would stand by for that? But the leftists around this world and including in America say, well, you see, you, you can't fire back. You can't do this. Well, Israel has a right to defend itself. And Israel is the only democracy in the entire Middle East. And yet the leftists are unconcerned. In fact, they are supportive of um, much of the corrupt regimes that uh, are in place because they accuse Israel of all sorts of wrongdoing. So they are implicitly supporting the non-democratic countries. Uh, Congressman French Hill, who was just on, pointed out that there was a Democrat. It was a Democrat from New York who was the head of the Foreign Relations Committee there in the House, and he got booted out uh, through the efforts of AOC and her supporters, meaning that the Democratic Party has moved so far left. Oh, Engel was a strong supporter of Israel. AOC ain't. And this is what's happening to the Democratic Party, and we need to be aware of this, uh, and we need to make it known. And it's yet another reason that the Republicans need to take over the House, need to win a majority in the House. We know, of course, we're Republicans. We, want, we always want a majority of Republicans because we're Republicans. But it used to be we didn't fight over I- issues of Israel, but now we do because the Democrats are largely anti-Israel. When did all of this happen, Congressman? It's, it's happened at a, at a rapid pace, and, and I don't know why it happened, because, you know, when I got to Congress in 2015, for the most part, um, support of Israel was a very bipartisan measure. I mean, we, uh, one of the first trips I took was a, a bipartisan trip over to Israel, where we, we met with people, we toured the country, and 
there was strong support on both sides of the aisle. But but you're right. This uh, leftist socialist wing of the Democratic Party that's growing every day, and it's not only growing, it's growing in influence and with their voice, are uh, of are anti-Israel, and I, I don't get that. And I don't know how anybody could rationalize, even remotely rationalize, that if you've got a, a, a terrorist group firing rockets at you, you shouldn't be firing back at them. Uh, that's just, that's asinine. Um, you know, maybe they need to go over there and, and stand around where the rockets are being fired and see if they change their mind about whether they should fire back. Indeed, it's really it's a really good point that it's very easy for these leftists sitting in their gated communities uh, to opine on what should happen when rockets come raining down in another country on another people. These leftists are, are, are not wanting for opinions. That's for sure. Uh, a similar issue in terms of national security, but this time our direct national security is the border crisis. Yet again, as I described with the Israel situation, that the Biden administration has responsibility because it's sidling up with Iran in that situation. The border crisis, the Biden administration is responsible for that. We didn't have this border crisis under the last administration. It the last administration, the, the Trump administration, of course, was attempting and with some modest success to control the border. And yet it now looks like all of that has been lost. What can you tell us about what's going on on our southern border? It's a total failure in diplomacy and a total failure in security. And there's I don't know how you look at that any other way. Um, the the Trump administration had worked diplomatically with with Mexico and other Central American countries to stop the flow, the mass flow of people across the southern border. Plus, they had beefed up border patrol. Obviously, they were building the wall, um, and we were gaining not only physical security along the border but operational security along the border. Um, and I think you know that was going to put us into a place where we could talk about what we need to do on immigration laws once we get the border secure. But the the, um, hypocrisy in the left is that they make immigration a big issue, and then they go do stuff like just totally disbanding the Trump policy, stopping construction on the wall, easing up restrictions on the border, and then uh, claiming that Republicans want to do nothing about uh, to solve the immigration problem, uh, when, when all they do is create a bigger immigration problem. And, you know, we were talking about terrorists. We know that uh, there have been Middle Eastern terrorists apprehended on the southern border. We know that there's sex trafficking with girls as young as 13 years old on the southern border. We know there's a lot of drug trafficking across the southern border. Um, we know that people are being literally trafficked and put into a form of slavery by agreeing to pay these coyotes, you know, as much as ten or $15,000. They don't have the money. They come to the U.S. and they, they work illegally, and they're sending the money back uh, to, the, to the coyotes. And the left seems to think that's just hunky-dory. That's fine. We can just uh, open these borders up and go hug everybody, and the world's going to be a better place. Uh, I, I really hope America sees what's going on. I hope that they're not blinded by what the mainstream media is putting out. 
and they understand that we have serious issues on our southern border. We were on the right trajectory to fixing those problems, and the Democrats have set us back years. Uh, And as long as they're uh, in power, they're going to continue to set us back because they don't want to solve immigration. They want to make it a uh, uh, an issue and act like they're the saviors on the issue when what they're really doing is perpetuating the issue. All right, y'all, we need to take a break. We need to get to our traffic, so let's do that. Robert Steinbach is a resident law professor at the Bowen School of Law at UA Little Rock, and he is currently talking with our U.S. Congressman Bruce Westerman on the Dave Ellswick Show, our Wednesday edition. We need to get to a break, so let's do that. This is 101.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Wednesday morning. He'll be back on the air tomorrow. We have with us uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. And let me thank you in advance, Congressman, for being on the show, because Heidi will do her job and she does it well, because when we get at the top of the hour, she'll cut us off. So I want to thank you now for being on the show. We were talking about the border crisis that's going on. uh, And where's Kamala Harris? She's supposed to be in charge of the border crisis, yet she hasn't gone to the border. What is the Biden administration actually doing to solve the border crisis? I suspect it's quite the contrary. They're doing everything to contribute to the border crisis. But what are your thoughts on the absence of the vice president who has been put in charge of this topic? I'm here, Robert. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I had lost you for a moment, and I think we lost Heidi. I Hope we're still we're still talking to the public. I think we are. Too, Go ahead. Too many but too many buttons on that console. But I think uh, I think the vice president must be directionally challenged because you know she went <laughs> to the wrong border. She uh, uh, she doesn't realize where the where the crisis is. But compare that to President Trump put Mike Pence in charge of the the uh, pandemic and the vaccination program. And Operation Warp Speed, we got the the vaccine in record time. Um, and here it is. Well, we're going five months into their administration. She's in charge of the border crisis, and she's yet to go down there. So what kind of signal does that put out? That, uh, number one, they don't care that there's a border crisis. They probably realize they created the border crisis, and they don't want to solve the border crisis because they like to use that as a political issue and and try to make it look like they're doing something good when everybody that will look at it objectively knows they're they're making the problem much worse indeed and i think you've hit the nail on the head they have no problem with the fact that we're getting a whole bunch of uh, migrants coming in this country uh, not pursuant to the proper means Uh, they are encouraging it they have encouraged it they've effectively open the borders, notwithstanding the claim that the borders are closed. You know, uh, it's kind of funny. The borders are closed and people are coming across. But, of course, to the leftists, words don't mean what they mean, right? Closed means open. Up means down. It's really kind of perplexing. Uh, I, I don't boy know means, what to make of all this. Go ahead. Yeah, boy means girl. They're they're trying right. to uh, – that's, that's actually a leftist tactic to uh, create a new lexicon, to redefine – uh, words to make words not mean what they mean. Uh, you know, it's, it's that that methodology goes back a long time. Uh, it's deceitful, and that's at the 
the crux of, of leftist policy is to be deceitful, to be, uh, you know, dodgy and to uh, try to make uh, wrong look right and right look wrong. Uh, that's as that's as old as mankind, that kind of uh, philosophy. And that's that's the tactics that they use. Indeed, my dad, during World War II, lived in the Soviet Union, and he described it readily as exactly how you said it. And th- there's no question, this is what the extreme left has always done. Uh, and you raise a, a good point about uh, um, the issue we had here in Arkansas. You know, we had a, a great bill that is now law uh, that says, guess what? Women's sports is still a thing. It still exists. Uh, because the left wants to say that there's no such thing as women's sports anymore because everybody can play on any team that they want to play on just based on their statements. Well, then you've eliminated women's sports. Now, if you want to eliminate women's sports, so be it. I don't think that's a good thing. You know, we've had all sorts of equality uh, across this country, right? We had the civil rights movement. Nobody thought we should abandon men's and women's bathrooms. Nobody thought that that was part of the civil rights movement, and I don't think that that was an oversight. I don't think that was a mistake. Men's and women's bathrooms are a good thing. Men's and women's sports are a good thing. So we really have to be, and this is coming, by the way, from the party of science, I say sarcastically, as I'm sure you perceive. The Democrats are the party of science, but there's no such thing as women's and men's bathrooms anymore. There's no such thing as women's and men's sports as far as they're concerned. It's really remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. And it's almost like they're just seeing how far the American public will let them go. Because uh, I think they have to be amazed by it as well that they can say stuff and then it, the mainstream media uh, kind of whitewashes it and they let it go and they think, well, we'll think of something crazier to say. And I've, I've often said that if uh, I've, I've always thought I've had a creative mind, but some of the stuff the left comes up with, I, if you just put me in a room and told me to come up with something crazy, I couldn't come up with stuff as crazy as, as what they come up with. And they're trying to make these new, quote, progressive ideas mainstream. They want to, um, uh, you know, if they say it long enough, they think not only will people believe it, but I think they're convinced that it's true. And, you know, I've got news for them. They're wrong. And there's always, I believe, going to be people that will stand up and say, you know what, you're wrong. Uh, you can be offended, you can melt like a snowflake, but you got to accept the truth and you can't change uh, the laws of nature. Uh, you talk about science, but you don't believe science and you don't practice it. So uh, we have a challenge here in D.C. and it's easy to get fired up to, uh, to be a voice for that challenge and to push back on these crazy ideas. All right. Thank you so much, Congressman, for talking with us this morning. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Robert, for filling in for Dave this morning. I know he really appreciates it, too. We'll be back tomorrow for the Dave Ellswick Show, our Thursday edition. As I said, Dave should be back in the studio. And we will have the car and truck doctors. Yeah, Joe and Duck will be in. They will be taking your car questions. If you have a question, you can email Dave at Dave at SalemLR.com. That's his email address. Or you can always call in to our 
uh, phone number here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. That's 501-823-0965 to answer your vehicle question. So we'll be back tomorrow morning on the Dave Ellswick Show, Thursday edition on 101.1 FM, The Answer.